1930, the Feast of the Ascension of Our Lord, Sister Lucia made her holy hour of adoration, and she had besought from the Sacred Heart of Jesus all the instructions necessary to answer the questions she had been asked by Father Goncalves about the, the devotion to the Immaculate Heart and the reparation of five Saturdays. And in the revelation, our Lord explained to Sister Lucia why we need to consecrate exactly five Saturdays to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. So while she was in the chapel, uh, part of the night, our Lord appeared, and this was between the 29th and the 30th of May. And he spoke to her and said, and this is regarding questions four and questions five that came from Father Goncalves, which question four was, why five Saturdays and not nine or seven in honor of Our Lady of Sorrows? And then number five was, if the conditions cannot all be fulfilled on Saturday, can they be fulfilled on Sunday? People in the country, for example, very often cannot do so on Saturday because they live far away. And so our Lord then said to Sister Lucia in this apparition, my daughter, the motive is simple. There are five ways in which people offend and blaspheme against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Number one, the, blas the blasphemies against the Immaculate Conception. Number two, the blasphemies against her virginity. Number three, the blasphemies against her divine maternity, refusing at the same time to accept her as the mother of all mankind. Number four, the blasphemies of those who try publicly to implant in children's hearts indifference, contempt, and even hate against this Immaculate Mother. And number five, the offenses of those who insult her directly in her sacred images. He goes on to say, here, my daughter, is the reason why the Immaculate Heart of Mary made me ask for this little act of reparation and, in consideration of it, move my mercy to forgive those souls who had the misfortune of offending her. As for you, try incessantly with all your prayers and sacrifices to move me to mercy toward those poor souls." End quote. Now those five sins that our Lord talks about, we see them mainly being committed by the Judeo-Freemasons who hate God, uh, who are worshipers of Lucifer. We see them committed by the Protestants who are not our brothers. They, are, they should not even be called Christians because they do not have the faith of Christ. And in fact, the, they claim to know the scriptures, but the scriptures themselves condemn them. And they understand the scriptures in much the same way that the Jews did in our Lord's time. Uh, their lack of faith blinds them. Their lack of morality blinds them as well. And what I will do now is I will give you some of the quotes from scripture that prove Our Lady is immaculately conceived, that she is a virgin, always virgin, and that she is the mother of God. The first prophecy of the Immaculate Conception comes from the book of Genesis chapter 3, which was right after the fall of Eve. And the Lord said to the serpent, I will put enmities between thee and the woman, and thy seed and her seed, she shall crush thy head, and thou shalt lie in wait, for her heel. 
So the woman here is not Eve, obviously, because she's she's already united to Satan, to Lucifer, by taking of the of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what the Lord God here is talking about the woman in the future. And if you remember in the Gospels, many times our Lord refers to the Blessed Virgin Mary as woman. And that is for a specific reason. It is not to try to disrespect her, as some Protestants might try to say. It ties directly into this prophecy, meaning the woman, the woman is the Virgin Mary. And to be at enmity is to mean, meaning to be completely opposed, diametrically opposed. Only way that Our Lady, the woman, could be completely opposite of Lucifer, of Satan, not under his dominion, as she was free from sin. And indeed, she was and is. Pope Pius IX, when he proclaimed the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, goes over many of these truths. He says that the fathers of the church beheld that the Ark of Noah, which was built by divine command and escaped entirely safe and sound from the common shipwreck of the world, meaning the sin of the world. So the Ark, both a symbol of the church, meaning outside the church there is no salvation, outside the Ark of Noah, there is no salvation for any of mankind, but also the Ark itself escaping from sin, and Our Lady being the mother of the church, and thus also a figure of the Ark of Noah, and being free from sin. Uh, he also mentions the ladder of Jacob, right? So the ladder of Jacob was reaching from earth to heaven, and the rungs that God, the angels of God ascended and descended. She is that ladder, that ladder between uh, heaven and earth, this symbolizes her intercession with Christ, with Almighty God, for us, but it also symbolizes that she brought heaven down to earth in her Son, divine man, fully God and fully human, who would be born of her, a perpetual virgin. Also, in the Song of Songs, or the Canticle of Solomon, the Holy Ghost says in verse 12, my sister, my spouse, is a garden enclosed, a garden enclosed, a fountain sealed up. That garden enclosed is Our Lady, enclosed, protected from sin, a fountain sealed up, perpetual virgin, before, during, and after the birth of our Lord. Now some Protestants will say, well, this is referring to the church, and it is, but Our Lady is the mother of the church, so this is also speaking directly about the Blessed Virgin Mary, about her immaculate conception and her perpetual virginity. The fathers of the church also saw that the burning bush of Moses was a type of the Blessed Virgin Mary because it held the presence of God within itself, but it did not experience any type of corruption. It was not destroyed. Um, it did not burn up. It remained beautiful, it remained budding. And so this is an image of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And again, this is the fathers of the church. These were the early Christians, the first Catholics that are explaining this. And so, especially for Protestants, what they have to understand is the church didn't start in the 1500s. It started in 33 AD 
with the with the side of Christ being opened up by the lance and then the the Holy Ghost falling upon the apostles. So we have the tradition. We have the faith. They do not. And we are the ones who can interpret it correctly. They do not with their 10,000 sects and all their different beliefs and different types of morality. There there is no unity there because it's all everyone is their own pope so to speak. They have no no tradition, no true faith. So that's the burning bush. Now, going on a little bit further, there is the actual Ark of the Covenant, the covenant that held the Ten Commandments. So that was the Ark of the Old Covenant. Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant. So the, the Ark of the Covenant was a foreshadowing of Our Lady. And if you know anything about the Ark of the Covenant, how much it was revered, how much people feared even to be in its presence because of the power that it contained. Now, Our Lady contained the true, the true covenant of God with man in her womb. So she is the living Ark of the Covenant. And if you remember inside the Ark, in addition to the Ten Commandments, there was a gold vessel that was holding the manna that fed the Israelites during their exodus. That was the bread that came from heaven. But Mary held within her womb the true bread that has come down from heaven, as Christ himself said who would feed us with his flesh and blood, which is true food indeed. As he, again, he said, this is another doctrine that the, the Protestants reject. And, um, and again, it just further proves that they don't understand the scriptures, nor do they believe Christ, nor what he taught. Um, because it's very clear in the gospels that he is the true bread that came down from heaven and that he would feed us with his body and his blood. And it was in, in the gospels where those people who couldn't take that saying left him all right those people who left him were a foreshadowing of the protestants now um the the ark of the covenant again a foreshadowing of our lady who would hold the true covenant the the, the new covenant the true god made man in her womb and so this would make her the living temple of god and we see a foreshadowing of that in the first book of Kings in chapter 8. So she is prefigured as the future tabernacle of Christ, in which she truly was the tabernacle of God. In the book of Wisdom, which Our Lady is the mother of wisdom, it speaks of Our Lady in several places here. In the seventh chapter, verse 14, it says, For she is an infinite treasure to men which they that use become the friends of God, being commended for the gift of discipline. This is why St. Louis at Montfort preaches true devotion to Our Lady, because our Lord came to us through her and he wants us to go to him through her. If anyone has, is listening to this that hasn't read that book, you definitely need to read it to understand what it means, because so many people do not understand especially the Protestants. They have no understanding of why we're devoted to Our Lady. They, they do not understand the commandments, the Ten Commandments, one of which is honor your father and mother. Well, our Lord honored his mother with the highest of honors. He made her the most perfect, most beautiful woman on the face of the earth, kept her completely free from sin, and demands that we honor her. To do so is is absolutely insane and foolish. And to think that by trying to denigrate Our Lady is, is pleasing to him, 
you really are out of your mind and you will pay a very, very deep punishment for degrading her. And anyone who sees anyone degrade her online, you must defend her. You, you have a duty to defend Our Lady and to defend the church from these people who have no understanding, who have no faith and have no morals. And further down in the seventh chapter of the Book of Wisdom, starting at verse 24, again, speaking of wisdom, Our Lady is the mother of wisdom. And so this is speaking of her. For wisdom is more active than all active things and reaches everywhere by reason of her purity. She is a vapor of the power of God and a certain pure emanation of the glory of the Almighty God. And therefore, no defiled thing cometh into her. Again, Immaculate Conception, nothing impure has come into Our Lady and she committed no sin. It continues, for she is the brightness of eternal light and the unspotted mirror of God's majesty and the image of his goodness. An unspotted mirror, again, immaculate conception, no stain of sin, but the word mirror, what can we do with mirrors? Mirrors can magnify, make light brighter, make it more intense. Even you can use a mirror to set things on fire because of the magnification. Well, if you recall what Our Lady said when she went with Christ in her womb to visit St. Elizabeth, and St. Elizabeth praised her, right? And Our Lady then said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. She is the unspotted mirror. She magnifies the Lord in all that she does, in all that she says, in, in everything that she's done in her life, both on earth and now in heaven. Now let's just take a step back in that Gospel of St. Luke, back to what Elizabeth had to say. So we read that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So now the Holy Ghost is speaking through Elizabeth. And Elizabeth cries out and says, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Well, what does that exactly mean? Blessed art thou among women. It means she is more blessed than any woman on the face of the earth who has ever lived or ever will live. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Mary is the tree of life and her fruit is Christ. And those who eat of that fruit live forever because he is the bread that came down from heaven. He is the living manna and in his flesh and blood that you have to eat and drink to be saved, to live for eternal life. But Mary is the tree that brings forth the fruit and in order to eat of the fruit, you have to take care of the tree. You have to care for, you have to love, you have to nurture the tree. And the tree then brings forth the fruit. So this is just another proof of devotion. True devotion to our Lord comes from true devotion to his mother, Our Lady, who bears that fruit. And then uh, uh, St. Elizabeth says, and whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So this, the scriptures prove Mary's divine maternity, the mother of God, the mother of St. Elizabeth's Lord. Who is that Lord? That Lord is Christ. Who is Christ? Christ is the Son of God incarnate in the virgin's womb. And Elizabeth continues, For behold, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the infant in my womb leapt, leapt for joy. And so even the infant testified to the divine maternity of Our Lady by hearing her voice 
and praising her in the womb. And this just echoes back to the Psalms, where in the eighth Psalm, chapter uh, verse three, it says, out of the mouth of infants and of sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. And then our Lord in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, this would be chapter 21, verse 16, references that when he is talking to, to the chief priests and the scribes, and he said to them, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said to them, have you never read out of the mouths of infants that of sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And so here it is, even the infants, even the, the simple, the unlearned, not the so-called wise, the wise of the world, they understand, they believe, they acknowledge Christ as God and his mother as the mother of God. As, we, as this part continues, Elizabeth said, And blessed art thou that hast believed, because those things shall be accomplished that were spoken to thee by the Lord. And so this is just showing the contrast between Eve, the mother of the sinful, and Our Lady, the mother of the saved, the chosen. Eve believed the angel, the fallen angel, the serpent, and did not believe God. Our Lady believed an angel, the Archangel Gabriel. She believed God, and so she is blessed forever and she is free from sin. Then Our Lady goes on, as I mentioned before, and she says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, because he has regarded the humility of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. All generations. All. Not just some. Not just Catholics, but all generations. And what does it mean, all generations shall call me blessed? All generations shall honor her, praise her. And who do we see not praising her? The unbelievers, the godless, those who claim to be followers of Christ and are not, who try to denigrate her, but they reject the scriptures, which clearly says, all generations shall call her blessed. And then Our Lady continues, because he that is mighty hath done great things to me. Great things. What are these great things? These great things are the Immaculate Conception, the virgin birth and her perpetual virginity, being mother of God and being queen of heaven and earth, among other uh, great things that he has done to her. These are the great things. And this is why all humanity deserves to honor her, to praise her, and to revere her as mother of God. And if we go just a little bit further back in the Gospel of St. Luke, when the Archangel Gabriel appears to Our Lady, he says, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Again, confirming all of these great things. But what does it mean to be full of grace? If we first go back to the Old Testament in the book of Ecclesiasticus, also known as Sirach, chapter 24, in verse, verse 24-25, the Holy Ghost speaks of Our Lady and says, I am the mother of, fear, of fair love and of fear and of knowledge and of holy hope. In me is all grace of the way and of the truth. In me is all hope of life and of virtue. This is speaking of Our Lady. In her, 
was the way, who was the way, Christ is the way, who is the truth, Christ is the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In her was, it was all hope of life and of true virtue. And then it continues in, in verse 26, come over to me, all ye that desire me, and be filled with my fruits. And her fruit, her fruit is again Christ, the fruit of her womb. That is what it means to be full of grace. And then we see in the Gospel of St. John about what it means to be full of grace and who is full of grace. In the first chapter of the Gospel of St. John, which, which is read at the end of every Latin Mass as the last Gospel, and it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we saw His glory, the glory as it were of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So here, we have the Archangel Gabriel saying to Our Lady that she is full of grace. We have now St. John, the Holy Ghost speaking through St. John, showing that he, that Christ is full of grace. So Our Lady, the new Eve, our Lord, the new Adam, full of grace, free from sin, full of truth. Now in the Gospel of Matthew, our Lord condemns those who dishonor his mother. And this would be in chapter 15. Uh, this would be beginning at verse 3 and then verse 4. Now he's debating with the scribes at this point, And he says to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God for your tradition? For God said, Honor thy father and mother. And he that shall curse father or mother, let him die the death. So we can, we can understand from this that anyone who curses his mother is not holding to the Ten Commandments and is cursed. Let him die the death. Who more should we honor? Who more should we honor than the mother of God, the mother of Christ? Now he goes further and he does curse the Protestant heretics. And what I'm going to do is I am going to, I'm going to play a short few minute clip from a video I did about eight years ago on when our when our Lord appeared to Mother Mariana in the approved apparition of Our Lady of Good Success, and he specifically curses the heretics that attack his mother. Let's listen. This following clip is taken from a talk given by Dr. Marian Horvat entitled Prophecies Fulfilled, Our Lady of Good Success. Now at the end of the 16th century, Our Lady had appeared to a conceptionist sister from Quito, Ecuador. And at that point, Ecuador was a colony of the Spanish crown. And Our Lady appeared under the title of Our Lady of Good Success. Now, this is a church-approved apparition, and it is quite an amazing apparition if you actually read or listen to any talks on this, because it predicted the crisis in the 20th century, and particularly the crisis within the church. And it's very much tied in with Our Lady of Fatima and Our Lady of La Salette. But in this particular clip, what we're going to focus in on were two prophecies about future Marian dogmas, uh, one being the Immaculate Conception and the other the Assumption. And in particular, what I really want to focus in on is a curse that our Lord had placed upon the heretics who reject these dogmas and those heretics who reject his Holy Mother. Let's listen in. There were many other important prophecies that were fulfilled. For example, on February 2nd, 1634, 
Mother Mariana was 72. It was at the end of her life, one year away from her death. When Our Lord, when Our Lady appeared to her and placed the Christ child in her arms. Resting in her arms, the infant told her many things. She said that in the mid-19th century, at the time when the church will be strongly attacked and my vicar will find himself a prisoner, the proclamation of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception of his mother would be made. On December 8, 1854, this proclamation was made by Pope Pius IX, who was truly a prisoner of the Vatican under Garibaldi, who had usurped the Papal States and the city of Rome. To protest the usurpation of his territories, the Pope actually declared himself a prisoner in the Vatican, and he never traveled again. Our Lord also told her that the Assumption of Our Lady would be proclaimed a dogma of the Church. Pope Pius XII did this on November 1, 1950, with an apostolic constitution. Our Lord gave her the reason for this. He said, if I keep the bodies of some of my beloved saints incorrupt, how much greater reason to preserve the body of my beloved mother, raising her body and soul into heaven, to the great rejoicing of the Holy Trinity and the accidental happiness of the blessed. He called it an act of justice. Then he said, a thousand times cursed be those heretics and their followers who place in doubt these mysteries concerning myself and my mother. Let them be cursed, and let their eternal abode be the center of the earth, together with the father of the lie, Lucifer and his henchmen, inside the fire created by divine ire for the rebellious angels and the men who follow them, severing themselves from the truth and leaving the Catholic Church. Hearing this, we can understand why the progressivists hate this apparition so much and try to keep it hidden. Even in details, so much affirms the constant teaching of the Church and contradicts their novel teachings on hell, purgatory, and the diminishing of Our Lady. Here I have a word about those who doubt this apparition. Our Lord spoke of them in this very same apparition, just as Our Lady spoke of them at other times to Mother Mariana. I am not surprised when some doubt, as this was part of the prophecies. Our Lord told Mother Mariana that even imprudent sisters inside the convent, as well as highly placed persons, would doubt her marvelous life and the truth of the apparitions. He said, only souls who are humble and simple of heart will be granted the assurance, certainty, and firm conviction of the truth of all that took place in your life, which will remain hidden during the first centuries of this colony that will become a new republic. But since my words are always marked by seal of contradiction, opposition, and even calumny, those who believe should not become upset when faced with such doubts. On the contrary, it is the hour to sing the victory for the day of triumph is near, just as my cruel and ignominious death preceded my glorious resurrection. I believe this is the correct way to face doubters. We should present the facts, since we have them, 
and then continue on with assurance, certainty, and firm conviction of these truths. For we know that the doubts are the signs that the hour of triumph is near. And so I'll leave it there. There are other examples of this, but I think that should be more than enough. And you know, again, we are Catholics. It is not the Bible alone. It is scripture and tradition. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the Bible alone. And if anyone wants to debate what true Christianity is, you only have to read the fathers of the church. They learn directly from the apostles. Their writings are Catholic. Everything they promote is Catholic. There's nothing of Protestantism in it. And they only have to read that. But many of them refuse to because it convicts them of their false doctrine that they believe. So going on from here, now you know what those five blasphemies against Our Lady are, and you have scriptural backing to defend her against these evils and to hopefully convert people um, from their, their, their rejection of Our Lady. Now, the Fatima message itself, it's indicating that the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary will only come about after these evils against Our Lady have been sufficiently repaired. And that's where the five first Saturdays devotion comes from. So what we'll see here is that the divine will of our Savior was, was actually revealed on June 17, 1917, when Our Lady addressed the three children of Fatima. And she had said, yes, I will take Jacinta and Francisco soon to heaven, but you are to stay here some time longer. Jesus to make you, wishes to make use of you to make me known and loved. He wants to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. And then there was a second reference to our Lord's desire for this devotion to make reparation to the, to the sins against the Immaculate Heart. And this was uh, in July, so the following month, when Our Lady had showed the children hell, when she said to them, quote, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace." End quote. But this was not done, as we know. And even today, the devotion to the Immaculate Heart is not that well known, aside from in mainly traditional Catholic circles. And so, that is the reason why we've been in such, well, such a horrific situation really since 1917, uh, where, because none of this was done properly or according to what Our Lady had asked, the world was plunged into, the Soviet Union came about with the Russian Revolution in 1917. And we know what the result of that was, was the death, the mass murder of over a hundred million people between the Soviet Union, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, and the other forces of communism that took over throughout the world, Mexico, Spain, uh, Vietnam, um, all over, basically. And then the advent of World War II, and up to this present day now with the errors of Russia, which Our Lady of Fatima predicted in 1917, making its way throughout the world, have now in full effect been reached here on the shores of America uh, with the current regime that has 
completely taken over this country. And now we are in dire straits with the additional chastisement now of the, what I call the death shot, um, which in my opinion is a punishment from God for all the sins, especially the sins of the massacre of the innocents due to abortion. And so now that innocent blood is going to be repaid with the blood of, of all these godless atheists, liberals, unfaithful um, Catholics, so-called Christians uh, throughout the world. And it's gonna be on a massive scale. And Our Lady talked about the annihilation of nations as one of the punishments for the Holy Father not consecrating Russia in union with all the bishops throughout the world. I mean, Pius XII did consecrate Russia on his own, but he did not do it in union with all the bishops of the world. And there has not been sufficient reparation uh, for the sins against the Immaculate Heart. And so that is really the purpose of my video here is, is to get this message out again. And there might only end up being a f very few of us who are true Catholics to make this reparation and to help make this reparation known to, to bring about the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. So just to briefly outline again, a, the, the problem itself is that we know that Mary is the mediatrix of all graces. So all graces from God flow through her to us. Uh, God wills that we seek these graces from the Virgin Mary by means of a very special devotion to her Immaculate Heart. Those graces will then help us, they'll remove the obstacles, the five sins against the Immaculate Heart particularly, which are restricting the ordinary flow of grace from her heart onto humanity. And because these graces are being restricted by sin and particularly by uh, blasphemies against her immaculate heart this has allowed evil to grow to the scale that it's at right now and that's why the majority of souls are going to hell as particularly in this period of time I mean that's been true through all ages of the world but but most mostly now because grace has been cut off um, in that the majority of people are not going to the true mass you know the majority of Catholics are not going to the true mass, so they're not receiving grace in, in the new mass. And most of the, if not all the sacraments are invalid, and even if they are valid, they're illicit, so they're condemned. So even if you're, if it is valid, you're partaking in a sacrilege, objectively a sacrilege. Now, our Lord's wish was to have individual Catholics and the church as a whole exhibit a new and a greater level of confidence, of trust in Our Lady's role as our, as our, our, our Holy Mother. You know, he wants her Immaculate Heart to triumph over Lucifer. And that is to fulfill the prophecy in the book of Genesis that I read earlier, that our Lord said that he will put enmity between the serpent and the woman, and that she will crush his head. And this is this is this triumph of the Immaculate Heart that our Lord is wanting us to take part in and he's demanding us reparation to, of sin, reparation to the Immaculate Heart. And this triumph won't come unless we do it sufficiently as he wills.
So, so peace or chastisement hinges upon this. Now we're already in the chastisement part. It's been happening for since 1917. Um, and then the, the, that instance of chastisement really we can say was the Second Vatican Council, even more so than World War II. That obviously was part of it. But even a worse chastisement is the destruction of the faith in, in millions and in billions of people. And we have seen that through what happened after the Second Vatican Council and the, the triumph of Freemasonry over the church as predicted in the permanent instruction of the Alta Vendita. I've been, did a series on that. I'm still working on that. So I do recommend, if you're not familiar with it, watch that first part and I'll be adding other parts, at least one more part to it, if not three parts of that series on that. But Our Lady is Mediatrix of All Graces. This is a well-established teaching in the church. It's not a dogma as of yet, but, but it is a consistent teaching and we are to believe this because this, this goes back and in more recent times, popes have, accord, have given her this title again and again. And St. Louis de Montfort explains this in his book, True Devotion to Mary. In paragraph 10, he says, God has entrusted Mary with the keeping, the administration, and distribution of all his graces, so that all his graces and gifts pass through her hands. And as St. Bernadine teaches, Mary gives to whom she wills, the way she wills, when she wills, and as much as she wills, the graces of the Eternal Father, the virtues of Jesus Christ, and the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And so just as all sin came to us through Eve, came through us through a woman. Now the Lord God has ordained it that all grace will come through the woman, through Our Lady. And that's why she is full of grace. And that's why our Lord in the book of Genesis again, specifically stated that the woman will crush the head of the devil, of the serpent. That woman is Mary. Now, St. Louis de Montfort continues in paragraph 20 and really throughout this entire book, but I just want to highlight a couple sections here. And if you remember back earlier, I was talking about the scriptures, about Mary being the garden enclosed, the fountain sealed. He talks about it here. He says, happy, a thousand times happy is the soul here below to which the Holy Ghost reveals the secret of Mary in order that it may come to know her, to which he opens the garden enclosed that it may enter into it, to which she gives access to that fountain sealed, that it may draw from it and drink deep drafts of the living waters of grace. So Mary truly is that garden enclosed, and in that garden is the fruit, the tree of life, the fruit, which is Christ, the fruit of eternal life. Now the fountain sealed, and so the, the, the fountain of grace, she is full of grace, and it is through her we receive the graces of God. Now, St. Louis de Montfort continues down in, in paragraph 21, and here he condemns the Protestants and those who reject this, this teaching that, of God about Our Lady. He says, let us not imagine then as some do who are misled by erroneous teachings that Mary, being a creature, is an hindrance to our union with the Creator. It is no longer Mary who lives, it is Jesus Christ. 
It is God alone who lives in her. Her transformation into God surpasses that of St. Paul and of the other saints, more than the heavens surpass the earth by their height. Mary is made for God alone, and far from ever detaining a soul in herself, she casts the soul upon God and unites it with him, so much the more perfectly as the soul is more perfectly united to her. Mary is the admirable echo of God. When we say Mary, she answers God. When, with St. Elizabeth, we call her blessed, she glorifies God. If the falsely enlightened, whom the devil has so miserably disillusioned, even in prayer, had known how to find Mary, and through her to find Jesus, and through Jesus God the Father, they would not have had such terrible falls. The saints tell us that when we have once found Mary, and through Mary, Jesus, and through Jesus, God the Father, we have found all good. He who says all accepts nothing, all grace and all friendship with God, all safety from God's enemies, all truth to crush falsehoods, all facility to overcome difficulties in the way of salvation, all comfort and all joy amidst the bitterness of life. And the saint continues in 22. This does not mean that he who has found Mary by a true devotion will be exempt from crosses and sufferings. Far from it. He is more besieged by them than others are, because Mary, the mother of the living, gives to all her children portions of the tree of life, which is the cross of Jesus. But along with their crosses, she also imparts the grace to carry them patiently and even cheerfully. And thus it is that the crosses which she lays upon those who belong to her are rather steeped in sweetness than filled with bitterness. If for a while her children feel the bitterness of the cup, which one must needs drink in order to be the friend of God, the consolation and joy which his good mother sends after the trial encourage them exceedingly to carry still heavier and more painful crosses. And he concludes in 23. The difficulty then is to find really and truly the most blessed Virgin Mary in order to find all abundant grace. God, being the absolute master, can confer directly by himself that which he usually grants only through Mary. It would, be, it would even be rash to deny that sometimes he does so. Nevertheless, St. Thomas teaches that in the order of grace, established by divine wisdom, God ordinarily communicates himself to men only through Mary. Therefore, if we should go up to him and be united with him, we must use the same means he used to come down to us, to be made man and to impart his graces to us. That means it's a true devotion to our Blessed Lady. And so this just further clarifies the teaching of the church and it confirms the message of Our Lady of Fatima and our Lord's wish to have devotion to his immaculate, to his mother's immaculate heart. And that all graces come to us through her immaculate heart. And it is the remedy against Satan's attack on the church and against our souls, against our countries. Because we will only overcome communism. We will only overcome this assault on our lives through Our Lady. And it is Christ that wishes to make this ultimate victory hers. And the only way we're going to establish the social kingship of Christ, the return to the monarchies of, of Catholic monarchies, the destruction of Masonic democracy and Masonic communism, and all the evils that we are besieged with is through Our Lady. And the only way is through this devotion.
1957, there was an interview of Sister Lucia by the vice postulator uh, for the causes of Jacinta and Francisco, the other two seers who had passed away for their uh, cause for their canonization. But in that interview, uh, Sister Lucia made this, made this warning. She said, quote, the good continue in their life of virtue, but without paying any attention to the message of Fatima, sinners keep following the road of evil because they fail to see the terrible chastisement that is about to befall them. Believe me, Father, God is going to punish the world, and very soon. The chastisement of heaven is imminent. Our Lady has said repeatedly, many nations will disappear from the face of the earth, and Russia will be the instrument of heaven's chastisement for the entire world, unless you obtain the conversion of that poor nation. Father, the devil is carrying on a decisive battle with the Virgin Mary. He sees that his time is getting short and he is making every effort to gain as many souls as possible. He wants to get hold of consecrated souls. Our Lady did not tell me that we are living in the last epoch of the world, but she did give me to understand that firstly, we are going through a decisive battle, at the end of which we will either be of God or of the evil one. There will be no middle way. Secondly, that the last means God will give to the world for its salvation are the rosary and the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And third, when God in his providence is about to chastise the world, he first uses every means to save us. And when he sees we have not made use of them, then he gives us the last anger of salvation, his mother." End quote. It's important here to point out the year of the interview. It was 1957. And Sister Lucia said that, that God is going to punish the world and very soon the chastisement is imminent. I submit that that chastisement was the fraudulent election of John XXIII to the papacy and then the, the consequent destruction of the faith of millions of people through the Second Vatican Council, the so-called New Mass, all the evils that have come from the overthrow of the Vatican and of the physical structure of the Catholic Church through Judeo-Freemasonry, which is actually a worse chastisement than, than a natural disaster. Because in natural disasters, people lose their lives. They might not necessarily lose their souls. They may actually repent in the midst of the, of the disaster before dying. But in a spiritual chastisement like this, people lose the faith without even knowing it. They're being led out of the true church by a complete deception. And then they die outside the church and go to hell forever, a far worse punishment. And as Sister Lucy was saying, you know, various nations will be annihilated. I'm sure many of us thought that that would be through nuclear war, but now it's looking more and more evident that it will be through injections, that mass of people will be, will be murdered, that masses of nations will be destroyed by this and perhaps also through nuclear weapons and natural disasters as well. But we are in the thick of this now and it is gonna get much worse before it gets better. Stepping back to December 10th, 1925, the Blessed Virgin appeared to Sister Lucia and she had said, quote, by her side and elevated on a luminous cloud was a child 
the Most Holy Virgin rested her hand on Lucia's shoulder. As she did so, she showed her a heart encircled by thorns, which she was holding in her hand. At the same time, the child said, Have compassion on the heart of your Most Holy Mother, covered with thorns, which ungrateful men pierce at every moment, and there is no one to make an act of reparation to remove them. Then the Most Holy Virgin said, Look, my daughter, at my heart, surrounded with thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce at every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. You at least try to console me and say that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation, all those who, on the first Saturday of five consecutive months, shall confess, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the Rosary, and keep me company for 15 minutes while meditating on the 15 mysteries of the Rosary with the intention of making reparation to me. And so that is what Our Lady is asking for the devotion to her Immaculate Heart. Now in this day and age, many of us don't even have access to a priest uh, at all or even on a Saturday, just given the situation in the church right now. And so we still should make this devotion as best we can. Uh, Jesus actually did appear to Sister Lucia on February 15th, 1926. Uh, he appeared as the infant Jesus because Sister Lucia was having troubles with, with this situation even back then because many people uh, were not able to, to get to church on Saturdays to practice this devotion. And so she had told him about these difficulties and about propagating it and um, the, pot, the, the problem about people going to confession and then she asked about if people could go to confession uh, within the eight days of that first Saturday and Jesus said yes and it could be still longer provided that when they receive me they're in the state of grace and have the intention of making reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and then Sister Lucia asked the infant Jesus, what about those who forget to make this intention? And Jesus replied, they can do so at their next confession, taking advantage of the first, the first opportunity to go to confession. So this is a great grace that the Lord is giving us. And so we should always do this devotion on the first Saturday of the month. And it, really, in fact, we should be devoted to Our Lady in this way every day at this point. Um, because right now, as it was mentioned just earlier, that it would be the Holy Rosary and devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary that will save the world. And just as Our Lady said to St. Dominic so many centuries ago, she said, one day I will save the world through the Rosary and the Scapular. And so for those of us who have the faith, who are blessed with uh, knowing the traditional faith and having come out of the modernist Novus Ordo, we have to make it a point every day to pray the rosary. For those of you that are new, it might just be five decades, just until you can get used to it and understand how to pray it and understand the meditations. But for those of us who have been at this for quite a while, really, we need to be praying all 15 decades of the rosary every day in reparation for our own sins, for the sins of our family members, 
especially those who are fallen away for the sins of our neighbors who, who are don't even know God or in other sects or cults or and for the salvation of the dying as well. How many people now are dying without the sacraments, without the faith and are going into hell? Um, I do have rosary videos on my channel in the rosary uh, playlist and some of them are in English with the with the theatrical uh, meditations which can really help you to focus on the actual mysteries and, and get them in your memory so that when when you're praying on your own without any type of help um, audio wise it's in your mind and you, and you can just recite it to your own within your own self. So I have those there as well as the entire 15 decades in Latin for those of you who uh, want to learn Latin or practice Latin, understand your prayers in Latin, that is there uh, as well. And a further way to show your devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary is wearing the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Um, you can get scapulars for a few dollars on Etsy. That's usually where I buy mine. Uh, there are other places where you can get them, obviously. You know, if you're outside the US um, and you need help trying to find scapulars, you can just message me. Either comment on this video or send me an email to defeatmodernism at protonmail.com and I'll do my best to try to locate a place where you can get them in your country. Uh, and also rosaries as well. but. You know, God gave us 10 fingers so we can pray the rosary. You know, each of, of the Hail Marys for each of the five decades of the rosary on, on our hands, if all else fails. And I would also encourage you that for those of you who don't live near a traditional Catholic chapel, to make the sacrifice on the first Saturday of the month and the first Sunday of the month, to drive to the closest chapel to get on a plane and fly to the closest chapel, to make a good confession, to make reparation, to go to mass. Um, because as we see very soon, we might not be able to travel anywhere at all. So that the time is, is getting very short for us. And I highly recommend getting your, getting your spiritual life in order as soon as possible, as things you know, continue to, to get worse and worse. On June 13, 1929, Sister Lucia had another vision. This was at the convent when she was in Spain. And she describes the event like this, uh, quote, the only light was that of the sanctuary lamp. Suddenly the whole chapel was illumined by a supernatural light. And above the altar appeared a cross of light reaching to the ceiling. In a brighter light on the upper part of the cross could be seen the face of a man and his body as far as the waist. Upon his breast was a dove filled with light. Nailed to the cross was the body of another man. A little below the waist I could see a chalice and a large host suspended in the air, onto which drops of blood were falling from the face of Jesus crucified and from the wound in his side. These drops ran down onto the host and fell into the chalice. Beneath the bright arm of the cross was Our Lady, and in her hand was her Immaculate Heart. It was Our Lady of Fatima, with her Immaculate Heart in her left hand, without a sword or cross, but with a crown of thorns and flames. 
Under the left arm of the cross, large letters, as if of crystal clear water, ran down upon the altar and formed these words, Grace and Mercy. I understood that it was the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity which was shown to me, and I received lights about this mystery which I am not permitted to reveal. Our Lady then said to me, The moment has come in which God asks the Holy Father, in union with all the bishops of the world, to make the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart, promising to save it by this means. There are so many souls whom the justice of God condemns for sins committed against me, that I have come to ask reparation. Sacrifice yourself for this intention and pray." End quote. And so to conclude, we must make reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This is what Our Lady has asked for. This is what our Lord has asked for. The main blasphemies and sins, the five sins committed against her, again, are blasphemies against the Immaculate Conception, against her virginity, against her divine maternity, against children, so those who try to publicly implant in children's hearts indifference, contempt, and even hatred against Our Lady, and those who directly insult her sacred images. So it is our duty as Catholics who have the true faith to make reparation. And yes, the five Saturdays, but again, really, we need to do this every day at this point. Every day, we should be making reparation, both for our own sins and for those of mankind, because it truly is our only hope. Another thing to consider is making this morning offering where you say, oh my God, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and here you kiss your scapular as a sign of your consecration to her. So in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer thee the precious blood of Jesus from all the altars throughout the world, joining with it the offering of my every thought, word, and action of this day. O oh my Jesus, I desire to gain every indulgence and merit I can, and I offer them, together with myself, to Mary Immaculate, that she may best apply them in the interest of thy most sacred heart. Precious blood of Jesus, save us. Sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Immaculate heart of Mary, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. <laughs>